Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to welcome you to today's September Ask the Expert call. Now, without further delay, let me introduce today's host, Kimberly Holmes, with Align Technology. Kimberly, you have the floor. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us on today's Ask the Expert with Dr. Willie Dayan. Dr. Dayan will be presenting for us today, Deep Bite, what Invisalign has done for us and what we do with Invisalign. You will earn two CE hours for attending today's program, and you will receive important instructions on how to obtain your CE certificate at the conclusion of his presentation. Additional, additionally, CE hours will automatically be added to your Invisalign doctor site account. Please allow two to four weeks for these CE hours to appear on your, on your webpage. Please note, you are able to listen to today's program via the webcast and through the webinar, you will have the opportunity to ask any text questions, which our presenter will answer at the conclusion of the presentation. I'm going to apologize in advance if we are unable to get to everyone's questions since our time is limited, but we follow up after the program to answer any of your outstanding text questions. Today's program will also be archived in its entirety on the education tab of your Invisalign Docker site, where you may also access archived versions of all of our previous Ask the Expert programs anytime for additional CE hours. It's now my distinct pleasure to introduce our speaker for today, Dr. Willie Dayan. Dr. William Dayan reached the level of Invisalign Elite Advantage Provider in 2005 and has been treating Invisalign patients since the year 2000. In addition to his full-time private practice in orthodontics, he is a guest lecturer at the University of Toronto Department of Orthodontics, the Toronto Academy of Cosmetic Dentistry, the Ontario Dental Association, the Alpha Omega Dental Fraternity. He holds a DDS degree and diploma in orthodontics from the University of Toronto. Without further delay, I'll turn the program over for our lecturer of the day, Dr. Willie Dayan. Dr. Dayan, you now have the floor. Thank you, Kimberly, and thank you, everyone, for attending. And I'm really excited to speak in this uh, very sunny day from Toronto, Canada, and hopefully it's a nice day throughout America. As Kimberly said, we're going to talk about deep overbite with Invisalign. And as you hear the statements that I make and the views that in the, the way that I do it, it is all exactly how I do it in my clinic. So I don't, you know, hold back anything. I give you everything that I do every day. But of course, these are not all the ideas of exactly how Align does it. And in orthodontics, we're used to the fact that some people will do things slightly differently. So this is my way of doing it. Just to let you know who I am, I'm the fellow on the left of your screen, and this is my wonderful family that grows more and more as boys join the family with all the girls. We're going to talk about deep anterior overbite today with Invisalign. We're first going to look at the special challenge that this presents with aligners. Then we're going to review quickly what we do know from traditional orthodontics so that we can employ these ideas into our aligners. And then we can look at aligner solutions to deep anterior overbite. Let's look at the special challenge with aligners. We know that because patients put in a set of aligners in their mouth, and when they put those pieces of plastic in their mouth and then bite down, they're going to hit their back teeth before they hit their front teeth in most cases. And so this is the challenge and both the advantage. It has been a major advantage in open bite cases. So with patients biting on their back teeth, creating this posterior bite block effect of aligners, we're able to take cases that were very challenging to deal with with braces before and close open bites. And while we close open bites, we're able to see mandibles auto-rotate upward and forward and posterior teeth intrude. And this has been a major, major benefit to the orthodontic community. And I thank aligners for that. Of course, that is going to be a huge challenge with deep anterior overbite because many times in overbite cases, we're looking to erupt posterior teeth. So what do we do in traditional orthodontics when we have deep anterior overbite? Well, we use braces that are extrusive in nature and the treatment often leads to face height increases. And we see this all over the board in research that when patients have braces on their teeth, face height tends to increase. We extrude posterior teeth. By extruding posterior teeth, the posterior teeth touch earlier in the arc of closure, and this just reduces the anterior overbite. We use removable anterior bite planes, or even fixed anterior bite lanes like fixed lingual bite turbos. And these 
are made so that the patient will not touch their back teeth. They will hit their front teeth first. Their back teeth are then free to grow into that space. And so this is another aid in posterior extrusion. And we often use posterior elastics between braces to aid in posterior extrusion. So these are many things that we do in deep anterior overbite cases. We also use curve of speed leveling wires and other things that you're going to see we can do with aligners. If I give it visually, you can see here some of the things we do. So we have bite planes, we have posterior disocclusion, so that the posterior teeth can erupt while wires are leveling the curve of speed. We have eruption of the posterior teeth due to the shape of our wires. So we have intrusion of the anterior and eruption of the posterior. And we use elastics between our teeth to sometimes pull both sideways for sagittal correction, but also vertically for vertical correction. So we're going to want to bring all of these ideas, if we can, to our aligner orthodontics. And that is exactly our point. So the rest of the talk is to show how do we bring all of those ideas that you just saw here into our aligner solutions to deep anterior overbite. I've split the solutions or I've split the, the groups into what does Invisalign do for us? In other words, what has the software been working in the background so that our aligners are becoming more effective at dealing with the deep anterior overbite? And then what do we still need to bring to the table as orthodontists? Just the way we always bring things to the table with our wires and braces, we will bring it with our aligners. Let's look at what Invisalign has done for us. In G5 overbite solutions, we've had a few features, and I'm not going to review them in complete detail here because I think you can get that at the education site on Invisalign. And why would I repeat that one-hour presentation that is done so well there, and you can learn about these things. But we should know that there are special pressure points on our aligners that have redirected the force so that instead of going off of the long axis, it is down the long axis to make intrusion even more effective. We have optimized attachments that show up on bicuspids that are retentive in nature so that when we're using curve of speed correction, there is a extrusive force to the bicuspids and it is that grab on the bicuspids that allows the aligner to then apply intrusive forces at the front of the arch. And we have bite ramps on the incisors or G5 bite turbos on the cuspids that can help disocclude the posterior teeth if the patient's anterior teeth hit these ramps and then they don't bite as hard on the back aligners. All of these are fantastic tools that the aligners have come and now they come for us made already or you can order them as you doctor your ClinCheck. But what are we going to do with Invisalign? If Invisalign brings those solutions to the table, what's left for us to bring to the table? Well, my answer is lots. First, we're going to separate into case selection for success. Then we're going to look at building your aligners like your wires. And finally, being able to troubleshoot when required. For case selection for success, the first is that combined relative intrusion with absolute intrusion is better. We all know the cases that have straight teeth and 100% overbite. And in those cases, we need absolute intrusion. So on the bottom, you can see a case where the lower teeth are 100, almost perfectly straight. There's hardly any crowding. And we have 110% overbite. In order for those lower incisors to be intruded, they have to be intruded straight down the long axis, and this is very difficult. The case above has also 110% overbite, but there's lower crowding, and if we're allowed to move those lower incisors forward, then as they tip forward, there is relative intrusion. We can add to the relative intrusion, absolute intrusion, and that will make it more successful. So the top case has a better prognosis than the bottom case. And this is true in braces as well. 
Another feature we should look at is the face height. When patients have dolecephalic facial patterns, longer lower face heights where we don't want to rotate the mandible down and back, if they have a deep overbite, this can be a successful case because the aligners are very good at controlling the posterior extrusion, not letting the posteriors extrude, and being able to give us anterior intrusion for the solution. However, some patients, when we look at their face height, we want posterior extrusion. We want to develop the lower half of the face. We want to improve the lip redundancy. And in these cases, it would be better if we could actively and proactively extrude posterior teeth. And I find that extrusion of posterior teeth is best done with fixed appliances. So this patient, as you'll see later, will get lower braces, upper Invisalign, while the patient above is going to get upper and lower aligners. Both will come to great solution, but they're different because of their facial pattern, not because their teeth are different, but because their face pattern and vertical development is different. So in those cases, we often use lower braces with upper aligners, like this girl who had a very short face height, extreme deep overbite. The combination of lower braces where we were able to put curve of speed aligning wires in that extruded the posterior teeth and developed the bottom half of her face to a longer face height was very helpful in the correction of this deep bite. She did wear aligners on the top and braces on the bottom. We'll see this case in more detail. We want to build our aligners like our wires. We use curve of speed. We use intrusion steps of the incisors. We have anterior bite planes. We use interarch elastics. And we use hard occlusal contacts. So when we put in a leveling curve of speed wire, this extrudes the bicuspids on the lower arch. And if we were to put a leveling curve of speed wire in the upper arch, we would also be extruding the bicuspids. This means the bicuspids are extruding against each other. What is that going to look like in ClinCheck? What it's going to look like is some very, very hard contacts. But that's exactly what we do with braces. We put in a leveling curve of speed wire, or in this case, we put a leveling curve of speed aligner in the lower arch, a leveling curve of speed aligner in the upper arch, where at the end of the aligners, the last aligners, the bicuspids and cuspids are higher than the end teeth, just like the wire. Here the wire is shaped so that the middle teeth are higher than the ends. So too is the aligner shaped like this. But if we shape aligners like this and we extrude by cuspids, our ClinCheck is going to show hard occlusal contacts. And a very important instruction that I often give is do not resolve those hard contacts so that we can do exactly as we do with our traditional treatments. So when I look at a clean check, as in this diagram up above, I was asked to help in solving this challenge for this patient who used to be class one and is now more class two and has a posterior open bite. And when I check the first clean check, the first clean check ended with what looked like beautiful green marks of occlusion across both arches. And of course, the ClinCheck looked beautiful, the, mu the movie looked beautiful, but that's not the way we level curves of speed. We just reviewed that with our wires, we level curves of speed by causing extrusion of posterior teeth, purposeful extrusion into purposeful occlusal trauma. It's not really occlusal trauma, it's that when the lower bicuspids hit the upper bicuspids early, they cause the mandible to move away from the maxilla. And this is what opens up face heights. So if we're going to do that with wires, we need to do that with aligners. So when we had to develop a new plan for this patient, who now is slightly class two because their mandible is rotated down and backwards from contacting the anterior teeth too early, because the curve of speed was never leveled completely. Now we're going to develop a clean check 
where the Klinchak ends with hard occlusal contacts, it doesn't look so pretty on the movie, but it works very well in our patients, as you'll soon see. Now, when we have our patients wearing aligners for about a year and a half or a year and a quarter, we can sometimes see a posterior open bite from just the transient posterior intrusion caused by them biting on the aligners. This is a little different than this case. In this case, the patient has an, a posterior open bite, but they are more class two than they were before. That's a sign of the mandible being rotated down and back. In this case, there's a posterior open bite, but the patient is not more class two than they were before. The mandible is not further down and back. It's just transient posterior intrusion from the patient who clenched and grind on their aligners. In this case, the solution is to cut the aligners, the last two or three or last single aligner, either three to three or four to four, and just allow the patient to wear it for four weeks as an anterior bite plane. So they will still wear their aligner from three to three or four to four, upper and lower aligners full time. This holds the anterior teeth straight, but the back teeth are then free to erupt. And in this case, what will happen is that the back teeth will then erupt well, and four weeks later, we can finish the patient. So it's very important to distinguish between the two. So troubleshooting when required. If a posterior open bite is more than a liner thickness and the sagittal relationship is more class two, what do we do? Well, it depends. If the increased vertical is desired, maintain it with some posterior elastics to erupt the posteriors and then finish again with the liners but, be, but put in all the features that we've always talked about. So in that case, it's purposeful increasing the face height. If, on the other hand, the vertical is not desired, then there's a need to level the curves of speed with additional aligners and intrude the anterior teeth. You may need buttons, class two elastics. There are many, many different things that would come into troubleshooting this. So there are many choices and it depends. But let's not say it doesn't work until we try all of the above techniques that I've just said, especially not resolving hard posterior contacts. So let's summarize. So far we've seen that we want to be selective with our case selection for success. We'd like to do relative intrusion with absolute intrusion. We want to stay away from the overclosed, low face height, low angle mandible brachycephalic cases. And in those cases, we want to use a combination of braces and aligners. We want to build our aligners like wires. Therefore, we want to put curve of speed in. We want to put intrusion steps in. We want to have anterior bite planes, which is our bite ramps and bite turbos. And if we can, we use interarch elastics. We do not want to resolve hard posterior occlusal contacts. This is exactly what we want to create on purpose with aligners. And we want to solve the overbite first and later detail our cases. We'll troubleshoot if we have to, but there's less and less troubleshooting if you follow these instructions. Let's look at some cases where I've applied these solutions. So in this first case, Cody is a trumpet player, and as a trumpet player, he does not want to be wearing any braces because he finds it very difficult. You've seen people who have braces find it difficult to play the trumpet, and he is a very serious trumpet player. His mom, of course, wants him to fix his teeth, but she doesn't think he'll take care of the aligners. Will he comply? And he, of course, is insistent on aligner treatment only for the top. He's not even worried about the bottom teeth. In either case, it takes a lot of good consultations to get over these, and that would be a topic for another day. But we have our first order in aligners, and I'd like to show you some of the features in this first order that we've placed. So if we watch the ClinCheck play, the first thing we'll notice is that there's strong horizontal attachments 
on the side, on the bicuspids, to hold the bicuspids so that the bicuspids will not intrude and in fact some of them might extrude. So if we look at the bicuspids, they're not intruding and indeed some of them are extruding. The lower incisors are both moving forward but not just relative intrusion, they're also moving forward in a way that is absolute intrusion. If we look at the final position of the teeth, we can see space or air in the overjet position. We have bite turbos or bite ramps. Now, at some point in time, if I did not have bite turbos, I would put attachments on the lingual of teeth and never put plastic there. So really, these were bite turbos, and for whatever reason, I didn't put plastic on the lingual, for whatever reason, the ClinCheck was unable to give me bite turbos there, so I decided to put bite, ramp, bite turbos of my own by placing lingual horizontal attachments and just not putting plastic there. So we have an anterior bite plane working for us. We have curve of speed in the upper arch where the upper incisors are higher than the back teeth. So we have a curve of speed in the upper wire and if we look at the lower wire, we also have a curve of speed in the lower wire where the bicuspids are higher than the incisors. If we were to put on the 3D tools and look at the occlusion, we're going to see that there aren't any marks at the front of the mouth. And if we show the occlusal contacts, we'll see that there's some hard occlusal contacts at the back. It's red. It's not pretty, but it doesn't have to be pretty. What has to be pretty is the mouth, not necessarily the ClinCheck. And so here is the patient, Cody, wearing his aligners, very happy with his aligners, cooperating, complying, just as mom was worried that he wouldn't. He's showing himself to stand up to the challenge. And here he is at the end of the first order. So we don't have a big posterior open bite. We have controlled the leveling of the arches very, very well. We have some detailing to do, and we do that with a second order. So the purpose of the first order is to get out of the mud, make sure that we over-treat the most important factor, and in this case, that was leveling the both curves of speed. Now notice, even though that the curve of speeds were leveled, we still have some detailing to do, and we do that. And so here he is at the end of the first order, and his detailing aligners were only three aligners. Of course, now brother comes in for a consult, and mom wants him to do Invisalign because she's so satisfied about how he had an Invisalign experience. But go no, the brother wants braces. So now we have another consult to do, but now everything is switched. The number of appointments it took to finish this case was 10 appointments, which in my office I'm very, very happy to say is a good number for appointments through treatment. And many of these appointments are handled much by my staff and more and less by me. So I'm only showing up at about six of the appointments with what I call serious doctor time. Let's look at a case that utilizes bite ramps and class two elastics. Naomi has a class two. You can see her upper incisors are lower or more erupted than some of her cuspids and bicuspids. They're caught in an end-to-end -end class two. It's not a severe class two by any means, but it can be very effectively and efficiently handled with aligners and elastics. We're going to go to the first order and see how the bite ramps show up in the ClinCheck and exactly are they going to touch the teeth or not depending on whether the patient wears elastics. So from the side, we can watch the upper arch and the lower arch with um, attachments and we can see here optimized attachments on the fives that help for the overbite, some other optimized attachments for tipping and rotation, and then if there was an optimized attachment, for example, for derotation of the lower right four, 
In this case, I would remove it and place the horizontal attachment because it's more important for me to get out of the deep bite in the beginning of treatment. If I place class 2 elastics against a patient that still has a deep bite and contact of their anterior teeth, I can't expect a lot of class 2 correction because the anterior teeth touch from the elastics and then what happens is they, we can't get overjack correction. So because it's more important for me in the first order to get out of the deep overbite, it's more important for me to change some of these attachments to horizontally retentive and overtreat the overbite so that I can make sure the class two elastics will work well in the sagittal. Now, how does it work for the bite jump? Well, first of all, these bite ramps, it almost looks as if the patient is going to be able to close behind the bite ramps. So the bite ramps are going to end up touching in a way to lock the mandible back. But if the patient is wearing class two elastics, the overjet will be less than what we see in the ClinCheck. So when we get to stage nine, and we look at the patient who has now worn elastics and aligners for three months, they are going to be experiencing some of this bite jump that only shows at the end. So right now at the end of ClinCheck, there's a bite jump to simulate the elastic wear, but that doesn't mean we have to wait till the end to see that progress. So I expect that I should see less overjet than what I see in the ClinCheck at stage nine if my patient is wearing elastics. So when the patient comes in and bites on their aligners, they're biting in the middle of the bite ramps, not behind the bite ramps because they've been wearing elastics very well. You can see how she's very fitted into her aligners. And when we take it out at stage nine, we take out the aligners and she closes, her overjet is far less than what we saw in stage nine in the clean check. In stage nine, the overjet picture looked like this. Our overjet picture looks like this. So the patient is obviously wearing elastics and can probably start wearing elastics only at night. So three months into treatment, we've done much of the sagittal correction, and now we're going to just be aligning the teeth and further leveling curve of speed and coupling the cuspids as we level the curve of speed for the last six months of treatment. When she's finished her aligners, everything fits so well, we remove attachments, provide her with her retainers, and she's done. So she had no refinement and was treated with 18 or so aligners. Just to show how simple it is to put on elastics in a case like this, we'll show you the video of her as she comes near, I think she's in the middle of treatment and we just wanted to show a video of elastic wear. Okay, Naomi, can you show us how you put in your Invisalign trays and your elastics? that is very simple in our office. Naomi was finished in six appointments of which I was at two of them in any major way. Of course, I'm in a major way at her ClinCheck because I believe strongly that it is the ClinCheck where I practice my trade, not delivering plastic. Here we're going to see our G5 bite ramps in action. This is not a severe deep overbite, but it's a 50% overbite that again, we don't want to see that posterior open bite that I see in so many cases. And so once again, we have to shape our aligners like our wires. We're going to use the benefits of the G5 bite ramps. So we're going to see them show up on the lingual of the upper arch. And these are moving bite ramps, anterior bite planes. We also have G5 bite turbos on the cuspids. 
the whole idea of these attachments, or if you really want, they're not attachments, but they're ledges in the aligner, is that all the way through treatment, the patient is biting on these ledges. So you see how they overlap, and it is this overlap that means that aligner to aligner, the patient is going to hit these ledges and not bite so hard on their back teeth. If we look at the leveling of the arches, we have some optimized attachments that have shown up on the bicuspids. Because she has a short arch, we also added attachments to the molars. And once again, we want to erupt the posterior teeth and intrude the anterior teeth, and we even step down the anterior teeth compared to the cuspids. If we look at the upper arch, once again, we do not want to intrude any upper posterior teeth to resolve hard posterior contacts. So if we then look at the occlusal diagram, we're going to see those hard posterior contacts and we are telling the technician do not resolve any hard posterior contacts. So once again, the occlusal diagram looks weird. There's no contact in the front, extremely hard contact in the middle. And that extremely hard contact in the middle is exactly what we used to do with our wires when we force the teeth together at the back to open the bite. How well does it work? Well, here we go at the second order. And the second order is going to be a series of soft aligners that just tidy it up. There is no need for any major second order. So if I show you the scan of her teeth on the day we remove the attachments, at the end of the first order of aligners, we have a solid occlusion, and we do not have a big posterior open bite. Now, if we look at the ClinCheck of the first, we would have seen a reverse curve of speed and a step down of the lower incisors. Yet here in the mouth, it's not as much expressed. Is that a failure of aligners to express? No, that's normal orthodontics. Our cases never fully express. We put deep curve of speed wires into our cases, but their arches never fully express. And so too in aligners. We have to put in that extra amount and never expect it to fully express. So she treated in our office with six appointments, three of which I had to be there in a big way. She also changed her hairstyle a bit, but her teeth have changed in a very, very nice, and effective way. This fellow has the dolecephalic pattern, and this is where we want to control the posterior teeth, not necessarily erupt them, and do a lot of anterior intrusion. When I check the two ClinChecks, this is the first proposal to me from the, from the software, and it's true the software changes over time, so there's definitely things in this ClinCheck that may not be there today, but this is how we need to think. If we're going to level curve of speed and intrude anterior teeth, we have to show overcorrection. There isn't enough overcorrection or decoupling of the anterior teeth in this ClinCheck for my liking of a case that comes from a 90% overbite. At the same time, there's optimized attachments on the lower bicuspids they should be switched to something that is horizontally retentive so that I can get effective intrusion in the anterior. On the right side, there's no attachment, so we'll need to place some there. And then finally, the two upper incisors are intruding in the maxillary arch, but to support the intrusion of both these incisors, we would want attachments on the laterals that are not intruding. So, there is an automatic attachment on the upper right lateral that is sufficient to support for upper incisor intrusion, but not on the upper left lateral. So the upper left lateral will need some kind of attachment similar to the optimized one on the upper right so that we can hold on to that tooth and intrude the incisors. And so if you look at the second ClinCheck, you will see all of those features. I've added an attachment onto the upper left lateral. I've increased the intrusion of the lower incisors so that if we were to lean this into the overjet picture, we would see space and a decoupling of the incisors. The lower incisors are stepped down compared to the cuspids. So that's my step in my 
just like my step in my wire to step down the lower incisors. And I have stronger attachments on the bicuspids, horizontal bevel to the occlusal, in my, is my preference or one of my preferences for a movement like this where I'm holding on the bicuspids to intrude the incisors strongly. With those changes, we're able to treat Ezra in 25 aligners, no refinement, and no increase in his vertical dimension, no interarch elastics, and in a case where he was somewhat retrognathic that if we were to rotate him any further down with braces, he would turn into class two, it was nice to be able to maintain the vertical. So I actually think this overbite is ideally treated by aligners and shouldn't see any braces. But just looking at the teeth, these two cases look similar. So once again, we might think, okay, let's place aligners, put attachments on the laterals, intrude the centrals, put some curve of speed correction in the lower arch, and voila, we have another aligner case. But we want to do our case selection by looking at more. Ezra is dolecephalic, long face height, don't want to rotate. Whereas for Tarif, he has lip redundancy, short smile, and we do want to rotate and increase his smile. So for Tarif's start, we're going to put in an anterior bite plane. It's an Essex with a bit of acrylic process to the back. And we're going to place lower braces and while he wears the lower braces with the anterior bite plane, the lower teeth will erupt into this space very quickly. When he's finished these braces for eight months wearing them, his lower arch is now erupted, straightened by the wire. His face height is increased. His smile is taller, so he already looks better, and we still haven't started straightening his top teeth. But because Tarif wants Invisalign, I have no problems in now putting Invisalign on the top arch. And because I've used some bite plane and rotated his mandible, we're going to need to support the movement with class two elastics. But you'll notice something is different. And that is instead of intruding the incisors, our ClinCheck is aimed at some distalization all supported by class two elastics to the lower braces, and mainly it's to extrude the side teeth. So we're not intruding the incisors, rather we're in extruding the side teeth. So by extruding the side teeth, we're not decreasing the vertical dimension. And so when we look at Therese at the end, it's true that he has as good a, a set of teeth as Ezra, and I could have done it by Invisalign alone to get the same set of teeth, but I might not create the same smile. I might not create that same face height increase that was so important to him in his teen growing years to try to get him a taller facial balance that helps his short face height tendency. So similarly for Anna. Anna in two years is getting married and would like very much to have a better smile. So during this time, I teach her, just like I did for Therese, that part of smile aesthetics is not just the teeth straight, but it's also what shows in the smile. Do the teeth show? It's nice to have nice teeth, but it's nice to show them. So she realizes that she has a short lower face height and accepts the idea of lower braces and upper Invisalign. And I'm always appreciative of my patients who teach me great lessons. I wanted to start with the anterior bite plane, just as I did with Therese for her, but because we're in a rush to get more maxillary treatment done, and I don't think I'll be able to change the torque of her upper teeth in less than a year, I have to start the aligners on the top right away. So she will wear aligners on the top right away while we do the bottom braces. And we're going to put in as many features in the top as we can for overbite and torque correction. And she'll wear class two elastics to give herself the most correction of her class two div two pattern as she can. Now, because I have lower braces, that means that I'm going to put in a curve of speed wire in the lower arch. 
and I have the aligners simulated to straight teeth in the lower arch. But unlike these aligners that show just intrusion of the anterior teeth, when I do it with wires, I'm purposefully going to be putting in a big curve of speed wire that erupts the posterior teeth. And as these posterior teeth are erupted against the top teeth, her vertical dimension is going to increase. So on the top arch, what do we do? Well, we want to increase our tour, our curve of speed correction. So we want to hold on the bicuspids, hold on the cuspid, intrude the incisors. As the incisors are intruded, we even intrude them a little bit extra and step them higher than the cuspids. So that's my step in my wire. I have class two elastics because I know that I want the patient to have some class two correction during the treatment. So at the beginning, the patient has a strong wear facet between the upper four and the lower four. And you'll see here that we employ a bite jump. So the patient has aligners that intrude and torque the anterior teeth with power ridges. It's still class two on one tray before the end. And then it jumps to correction to simulate what the patient's going to enjoy from elastic wear if she wears them. In the features, we can see here the power ridges, and I do depend on the power ridges when the teeth are simultaneously intruding, as they do in this case. We have bite turbos on the cuspids that will connect so that during treatment, the patient bites down and they will hit the lower set of teeth against these aligner ledges. Today, I would have even used some bite ramps on the lingual of the upper incisors, but they weren't available at the time of this ClinCheck. Well, after one set of aligners in the top, Anna is better. Notice that the upper incisors, despite the step that we placed in and the extra curve of speed leveling, we still need some intrusion of the upper centrals, but we don't need more intrusion of the upper laterals. We have much better upper torque, much better curve of speed correction in the upper, and of course, in the lower, we have curve of speed correction, and you can see how her face height has increased and developed during this treatment time. So she wore aligners for a year and a quarter. I didn't think that those aligners would be the end of her treatment because a case like this is going to take me about two years. So the first set of aligners was not to finish her treatment, but to get out of the mud, to get going on the most important things, which was the torque and the overbite. Now, you'll notice that the wear facet that we used to bite on, we no longer bite on. So she has enjoyed about a three millimeters of class two correction so far. Because she has a Bolton discrepancy in small upper laterals, we're not going to be correcting the class two completely because she doesn't plan on veneering those laterals. So we will be able to end the treatment with some class two still present, but not as much as what we see here. So once again, this ClinCheck is built to give us more intrusion of the incisors with torque. The torque on the upper centrals is done with power ridges. So we can see the power ridges on the upper centrals. But because the upper laterals are extruding as they torque, I like to do that with an attachment. So there is a difference for me between whether I use a power ridge or not. One of them is if there's simultaneous intrusion, I like to use the power ridge on the centrals. This is an example of simultaneous intrusion. While the upper centrals are intruding, they can have the power ridge. But that intrusion is supported by the position and attachments of the cuspid and laterals. Those teeth are not simultaneously intruding. Those teeth are simultaneously extruding. And therefore, they have attachments on them to support the intrusion of the centrals and to support themselves extruding. And as the laterals extrude, I still show the torque change, but I don't do it with a power ridge. I do it with an attachment. And again, the patient has lower braces on all the, all the while she wears the second set of aligners, 
to continue leveling the curve of speed and give her something to wear her plastoelastics to. When we finish the second set of aligners, and now she's coming up to her wedding time, we're ready for the third set. And really the third set is again, just a gentle landing, I could call it. And that's because we have so much torque and overcorrections built into our aligners that if we order a retainer, it wouldn't fit since it didn't fully express. So I take a new scan and the movement in the upper is very minor. It's hard, you're hard pressed to see what we changed. It was just a single incisor. If I put on the blue shadow, you'll be able to see here, the amount of movement is extremely minor in the front teeth. And then we can order a retainer for her. So this is her final picture, still somewhat class two, but a lot less class two than she was before and increased face height. There's her wedding pictures, and of course, she got married simply because we straightened her teeth. No other, nothing else, I don't think so. This case also, Eleanor taught me some great lessons and probably one of the most important lessons I'll share today, and that is how much we don't resolve hard posterior contacts. When Eleanor came in, and through our consult, we gave her several options. One of the first options due to the severity of her class two was to suggest jaw surgery. Eleanor declined. Then I suggested upper aligners and lower braces for improvement, but not necessarily perfection. Eleanor declined the lower braces. And so she was very adamant about just wearing upper aligners and lower aligners only. And once again, I was feeling strongly that the lower braces would be better at increasing the face height, but I would do my very best with lower aligners. When I look, go to the ClinCheck that we used as the first order for her, what I want to do is separate the arches for a minute just to make sure we do this in braces first. Because if we can do this in braces in our minds, we'll see why the ClinCheck looked the way it did. If we put a leveling curve of speed wire into this arch, we're expecting the seven to intrude, the incisors to intrude, and all of the middle teeth to extrude. And that's what we would do. But of course, if the patient is in occlusion and you extrude the middle teeth, they're going to run into hard posterior contacts. We don't want to resolve those hard posterior contacts by intruding the top teeth. And if we look at the upper arch alone, so if we look at the upper arch alone, the top teeth also have a curve of speed. And if we want to put a leveling curve of speed wire in these teeth, we're going to end up with top teeth that are higher than the side teeth. So it might look like this. So if we end up with top teeth that have a level curve of speed, extra leveling of the curve of speed in the top, and we end up with lower teeth that have extra leveling of curve of speed in the lower with higher bicuspids than the back teeth and the front teeth, what are the contacts going to look like? So without going into the whole distalization story of this ClinCheck, I want everybody to have a very close look at what happens to these bicuspids as they move across each other. You'll notice that there's extreme overlap of the images. This is going to show up in the ClinCheck as extreme hard posterior contacts. We'll get messages that there's trauma on the attachments, that we have to move the attachments down to the gingiva so that the patient won't bite off the attachments. But the patient's never going to bite like this. The teeth cannot move like this. We have to stop watching the ClinCheck as a set of, set of teeth moving. Rather, it is a set of aligners putting force on teeth. And we have to create the force system that we've always created. So if we've always pushed in leveling wires to level the lower arch and erupt the bicuspids and to level the upper arch and intrude the anteriors and erupt the bicuspids, if two sets of erupting bicuspids were aiming at each other in our clinic with wires, they would look like this if we had an image of them. 
but we never had an image of them. So with this image going into each other and looks like occlusal trauma, it's really, this is exactly enamel going to hit enamel and drive the mandible away from the maxilla. So if I look at the anterior overjet picture at stage 37, when I'm going to show a picture of the patient, according to the ClinChak at stage 37, we still have coupling of the anterior teeth and the overbite is probably about 80% because the patient started with an overbite of 120%. But if at stage 37 we have hard posterior contacts that we know clinically the teeth will not be able to touch like this, at stage 37 those teeth are going to be pressed into each other and the mandible will be further away from the maxilla and the distance of the gingiva of the upper by to the lower by will be bigger, then the overbite should be better and the patient's face height should be longer. And that's exactly what we see. So here at stage 37, her face height is increasing. Her overbite is decoupled, unlike the ClinCheck showing a touching together. And things are looking in very good control for a patient who had a severe malocclusion and at stage 37 is about a year and a quarter, not yet a year and a half into treatment. If we then look at the end of the first series, which was almost about a year and three quarters of aligners, we can see the distance between the bicuspids and the gingival margins of the bicuspids is greater than it was before. The face height is longer than it was before. The teeth are not smashing together, breaking each other, but rather touching each other and opening up the face height, just as we do it with wires. When we get to the second order for this patient, now we have our G5 features helping us. So suddenly we now have automatic bite turbos on the cuspids. We have bite ramps on the incisors. I do a little bit more IPR and support it with class two elastics. And when the patient bites a liner to a liner, they bite hard on those bite ramps. And that's exactly how those bite ramps work to keep the bite open. And when I finish the patient and I'm able to then have her wear these last set of aligners, we finish the treatment. It took about two and a quarter years. It's a very, very difficult case, but we're able to increase the face height and give our prosthetic dentist a good environment to now start the prosthetic dentistry. Whereas to do prosthetic dentistry in the first situation before treatment was nearly impossible, and now it is possible. I would agree this is not perfect, but it's a lot better. And if we did the other options of jaw surgeries, would it be perfect? Can there be risks of those options? So I think in orthodontics, we always have to accept our job is to make things much better, but perfect can be the enemy of good. If I refuse her treatment on the basis that she won't do braces and she won't do surgery, then she would never get at least this amount of benefit. Let's finish our talk with a teen case in a similar way. Once again, when I meet Sari, I propose to her that she should have upper aligners, lower braces. She says, no, it's aligners or nothing. And so off we go and we use a triangular elastic on purpose in our aligners. Now, I wanna show you again, the first proposal from a line is when we look at them, and again, these are some of them are older clean checks, but the principles are the same. The program is made to give us beautifully aligned teeth and a bite jump. And if we put on the, the 3D markings and we look at the occlusion at the end of treatment, we're going to see beautiful green dots on the lower and beautiful green dots on the upper because the occlusion is going to be perfect in the movie. But you and I know that we don't treat with wires that create perfect movies. Our wires have big curves 
and gable bends and torques and all kinds of bends in them. So we have to take this, and it's our job to manipulate it into something that will work. And so we're going to put stronger attachments down the side. So when we look at it from the side, we're going to see stronger attachments to level the curve of speed. We're going to see eruption of teeth into each other. When we look at the lower arch and we ask ourselves, well, what happened to the lower arch? Well, we have intrusion in the front, extrusion in the side. We're using a triangular elastic that goes to both the six and the seven. And it is that triangular elastic that can support even extrusion of the lower six. Because when the patient is wearing the triangle elastic, they're able to draw the elastic force to the seven to push it forward, but then the elastic goes under the six to push it upwards. So we can show extrusion of the lower six as part of leveling the curve of speed and extrusion of the bicuspids through the attachments. Of course, on the lingual of the upper, we'd like to have bite turbos. If we can't have bite turbos, we can put Sometimes, in this case, I used attachments on the lingual due to the very um, retroclined nature of these bicuspids. So we wanted to have a strong distal root tipping. And so we did actually put attachments back there, and they could act like fixed bite turbos. And when the patient bites and eats, they're going to bite on them, but we know they bite on their fixed bite turbos too. You can see here when patients wear this triangular elastic, how that elastic force to the six is extrusive, it's not forward. The forward force is coming from the seven to the whole lower arch through the aligners and through the teeth contacts. There's a backward force coming to the aligners from the hook on the aligners, and the bicuspids are extruding the teeth in the middle of the arch, intruding the teeth at the front of the arch, and the molar is extruding by virtue of the class two elastic fitted underneath the single button. As Siri wears her aligners, after the first order, she looks like this. So at the end of the first order, this is the end of the first order. We still have torque to work on the top. We still have some coupling to do for the cuspid, but it is a lot better than it was before. And the class two and there's no big, huge posterior open bite. And that is probably the most important thing is that these bicuspids are all in contact. And the case is not more class two, it's less class two. So we go to the second order for Sari. And on the second order, we are continuing our treatment to level the curve of speed and to have class two elastics and try to settle that cuspid. So you saw that space between the cuspid before, and we want to continue class two elastics and retract the teeth and improve the torque as much as possible. And so at 13 months, this is the way Sari started her second order. And then at the end of the second order, about a year and a half into treatment, we have the cuspid settled into class one occlusion a good posterior interdigitation, no big posterior open bite, good anterior open bite, or anterior overbite, I'm sorry, with midlines on. And so we're finished treatment. So I've taken you through several different cases of deep anterior overbite with Invisalign. Always separate between what Invisalign has done for us and continues to do for us as the appliance develops and the software gets better and smarter, but always bring to the table what we have to do with our aligners. And it's not that different than what we do with our braces. And if we stop watching the videos as teeth moving, but remember that the liner surface is changing and we have to put the same force systems we're used to using, we can get so much more success with our deep anterior overbite cases. So I thank you very much. Of course, I have information here of how you can get in touch with me, and there's my email. If you want to email me, um, make a comment, say that was good, that was terrible, I didn't learn a thing, or I learned something. As we conclude today, you can take the survey to get your CE certificate that is available on the link that is 
being shown on the screen, learn.invisalign.com slash ask survey. That's for Ask the Expert. And we will look forward to having you again, Dr. Day, in, in the very near future. Maybe you will talk another bit about deep bites. We will archive this program on our education tab for your review and with your staff if you choose to do so. And I would like to thank again Dr. Willie Dayen for such a fantastic presentation and for all of you to take time out of your Friday to join us. We look forward to seeing you all on another Ask the Expert webinar. Thanks very much. We'll see you next time.